Welcome back to Comic Book Storylines. I'm Brian Sorensen, also known as Bry the Comic Book Guy. Remember to like me on Instagram where I post pictures every week of what issues we talk about. This week, we got over the Crisis on Infinite Earths with DC. This week, we're talking Fall of the Mutants. This is a unique storyline that happened in the 80s with the X-Men. At the time, there was three X-Men titles, New Mutants, X-Factor, and Uncanny X-Men. This isn't necessarily one big story. They're all contained in each title, but it was definitely something that had ramifications for all the characters involved per title. It changed everything that went on from that point on for each of the teams, X-Men, X-Factor, and New Mutants. And there was a lot of a lot of bad stuff went on and some good things, some reunions and everything, but also some bad things. And we'll talk about that as we go along. So this week we talk about New Mutants issues 59 through 61, X-Factor 24 through 26, Uncanny X-Men 225 through 228. Now some of the backstory leading into these events. In the New Mutants, Magneto is their leader. He's the headmaster of Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters. Professor Xavier is away in space, and before he left, uh, Magneto was in this turning point of he was a good guy, bad guy, he was on trial. Uh, Professor had some uh, health issues, which is part of the reason why he's in space, and he asked Magneto to please look after the new mutants and work with the X-Men. So for a little while in the 80s, Magneto was a good guy. So he was in charge of the new mutants. He was the headmaster of the school. So with the X-Men, they've had a lot happen too. They went through the Mutant Massacre, which we will cover one day, and they have some new members on the team, like the characters Longshot and Dazzler amongst their ranks, plus Madeline Pryor, Cyclops' strange wife from the X-Factor title. Uh, she started hanging around with them, uh, and she decided to join the X-Men on their adventure, what they were doing. We'll cover that, too. And speaking of X-Factor, they had had it a little rough. A few issues before these, the character Angel, Warren Worthington, had supposedly died after injuries he sustained in the Mutant Massacre. I'm not going to say what those injuries are because I don't want to spoil Mutant Massacre if you've never read it. Uh, So he was severely injured and presumed dead in a jet explosion. But as we're about to see, no one's really gone. So there's no particular order of events with these books, but uh, in the end, the lives of the X-Men and New Mutants and X-Factor are going to be totally different from after these events. So we're going to talk about the New Mutants issues first. Uh, Like I said, uh, issues 59 through 61, and we start out a little bit uh, of backstory in the issues before. The New Mutants and Magneto had trouble getting along, like they had trouble listening, because the New Mutants, of course, were kids with mutant powers, so they had trouble listening to Magneto, and he was having trouble getting them to listen to him and take him seriously over the few years that he was the headmaster. So at this point, the most of the New Mutants, uh, Mirage, Cannonball, Ileana Rasputin, uh, Rain, and uh, who's Wolfsbane, if you remember from uh, some of the other books that we've talked about, and a character named Doug Ramsey. Now, he, his mutant power was a translator. Like, he could hear and translate any form of language or communication. So he was he's like this linguistic mutant. He doesn't have any powers per se, but he can understand literally everything. So at this point, the uh, kids in New Mutants had run away with a character named Bird Boy to go back to this island where he had other animals where it looks like they had been experimented on and kind of fused into these like human-animal hybrids. So they're already going to be in trouble, as you know, from sneaking out of the mansion, and Magneto doesn't know where they are. So they get on the island, and they're 
seen right away by this character, Dr. Animus, who looks like he's the brains of the operation, the one that's controlling all these animals. And the New Mutants are there to rescue everybody, but uh, it doesn't kind of work out right away because the animals don't have the sophistication and, and mental capacity really as much as the one character, Bird Boy, does, who has been their friend for the last few issues. So they all decided that they're just going to still rescue him anyway. So it's kind of like a back-and-forth thing where they're trying to save people, but the people they want to save don't really understand what's going on. Then we go back to the mansion where a couple of the other characters, Warlock, which was their techno-organic friend. Uh, you've seen him as well in some of the other podcasts I've talked about. And the character Sunspot, who eventually does end up being on one of the uh, X-Force teams. Uh, apparently they had run away a few issues before, so they come home not knowing that nobody else is there. And Magneto is the one that's there, and he's like, where have all you guys gone? He was happy to see him, And they're like, well, we don't know where everybody else is. And he's like, well, I don't know where anybody else is. So you can definitely tell these kids are going to get into some trouble. It kind of goes back and forth between that, like Magneto trying to find the kids and the kids losing their way on the island that they're in. So they decide to go into the dwelling that that Dr. Animus is in to try and rescue all of these creatures that need rescuing, according to Bird Boy. Uh, they, they have some trouble getting into it because the Dr. Animus sees them, knows who they are, and he sends these big, giant crossover animals that are under his control after them. So they have a little bit of a struggle, and they ended up getting kind of captured by Dr. Animus, who you're thinking there's got to be somebody else in this picture. Like, he's talking to somebody remotely. Like, he's not really in charge. He's just, like, the brains of the operation. So he ends up capturing all the new mutants and telling everybody he's going to experiment on them. And they're not liking that of all at all, obviously. So uh, at the end of this issue, you see all of them captured, and in the shadows you see this little figure, and you'll know it from the X-Factor issues. Um, the character Cameron Hodge, you've seen him in other issues too, these are all connected. Uh, he had an organi organization in X-Factor called The Right, and he had like these android machine-looking things. At the end of the issue, you see a silhouette of one of those android-looking things. So like, oh, okay, so the right has something to do with this too. So we, the next issue, issue 60, we get into the heart of what's going on. Dr. Animus is going to fuse the mutants with animal DNA, and he's going to make these like other hybrids, so to speak, of these uh, animals and kind of make them evolve into more powerful creatures with their mutant powers. So he locks them all up in these test tubes and everything, and he's struggling to get control of some of the other animals because it looks like he's losing control of the ones that he has so far. So he thinks if he can use the new mutants, he can get them under control. And we see at the mansion that Magneto and Sunspot are trying to figure out what's going on, where the new mutants are. Magneto tells Sunspot and uh, Warlock to stay put, try and figure out what's going on, let me know. I'm going into the city to try and figure things out and where they are. And about two pages later, Sunspot and Warlock figure out where they're going, and they take off anyway. But he, they left a note for Magneto, so it's okay. So you see Dr. Animus going into the secret room to contact somebody, and it ends up being the character Cameron Hodge. So he's working for the right, and they're both connected. And Cameron Hodge says that he's on the way to see if he can do what Dr. Animus couldn't do. So he's practically on the way. I, I'm going to look into this matter personally 
And so Dr. Animus is kind of afraid because the boss is coming. The next thing you see is Cameron Hodge on a plane going, we can't afford to lose those mutant children. Uh, I'm, of course, coming to you. Then we see Warlock and Sunspot. They're looking for their fellow teammates. So they're on the right track because they're on this island out in the middle of the ocean. So he's, they're trying to crack their uh, whereabouts. Uh, so the new mutants are being carried to this lab in these test tubes, but the animals are kind of clumsy and break the canisters. And the new mutants escape, and they have this kind of struggle with the aliens, or the, not the aliens, the animal figures, and they do end up getting away from them. So they end up going into this other chamber, so to speak, and they think they're getting away. But then Cameron Hodge and his androids come in, and then knocks them all unconscious. And Dr. Animus is like, what are you doing here? These are my subjects. And Cameron Hodge is like, no, we need these subjects. You need to stop. So he goes into the room where all the other animal subjects are, and he said, these are failures. We need to dispose of them. So he sends the right androids in to get rid of all the animal men, including Bird Boy. So they start shooting up the whole area, shooting up and getting rid of all those animal hybrids because he feels they're a failed experiment. Well, the new mutants get loose, and they go after the right androids. And they end up knocking a few of them down and everything, but then one of the androids goes to shoot at Wolfsbane, which is uh, Rain uh, Sinclair. She's the one that the girl that turns into the wolf creature. So Doug Ramsey sees that Dr. Animus has a gun, and he's pointing it at uh, Wolfsbane. So Doug Ramsey jumps in front of her as the gun goes off, and he shoots about three or four times, and Doug Ramsey pushes Wolfsbane out of the way. Wolfsbane goes on to attack. Dr. Animus gets the gun loose and everything. But then we see something pretty tragic. Doug Ramsey got shot all three times. And he's like, Rain, don't worry. I'll never do that again. I'm sorry. I failed you. And they go to attack Cameron Hodge, who's escaping in a plane. And then they turn around and they're like, Doug, what are you doing? Stand up. You know, we, we're, we're, we're good now. So they go over to Doug Ramsey and pull him over, and he does have the three gunshots. So Doug, the end end of this issue ends with them furious that Dr. Animus was responsible for all this. And Ileana Rasputin, who has the powers of magic and go into a portal into demon realms, ends up throwing Dr. Animus into that demon pit. And the issue ends with all of the members of New Mutants and some of the animal men surrounding the dead body of Doug Ramsey. Now, he was a fan-favorite character for a long time, so it's, it's a pretty sad thing that this happened. So the beginning of issue 61, uh, they're still reeling from the disaster, so they decide they need to take Doug home and suffer the consequences of them running away. Uh, they're still kind of angry, upset, and everything. Ileana, um, her demon half... Uh, of character, she ends up going back into limbo where the demons are and throwing all of the right android bodies in there and telling the demons that they they can deal with them as they will. Now her anger over Doug dying is kind of like she's got this struggle of her demon side and her normal side, which they the teammates shake her loose and she's able to come back to normal. So she opens this portal back to uh, the Xavier Mansion where they bring Doug Ramsey's body and they bring him into the medical lab. And Magneto goes to an area uh, where he can see things, like on monitors. He goes to this, uh, you know, he's just walking down the street, and he goes into the Hellfire Club, which he had some secret alliance with that you find out. The Hellfire Club is an X-Men bad guy, but he had some secret alliance where he can come and go as he please. And he ends up seeing all these TV monitors with all the other events of things going on in the other two books. So he's like, oh, 
there's other things going on here. So back at the mansion, the kids bring Doug back to the medical bay, and he's unable to be revived. So they're angry, upset, crying and everything. And Magneto comes home, and he's mad that they left, and he's getting really pissed that they ran away and everything. And he's like, you could have been killed. Where's Douglas? They're like, Doug's dead, and here he is. So you see Magneto cry over the body of Doug Ramsey. And then Magneto just kind of loses it. This is a slow turn for Magneto turning back into the bad guy that we know. Like, he gets really angry at these kids, so it ends up, the last few pages of this book, it ends up being a fight between the New Mutants and Magneto. Him basically saying, I'm trying to look after you kids, and the kids kind of rebelling and, you know, still reeling from the death of their friend Doug Ramsey. Ileana just goes crazy on her and her demon half comes out and she almost sends Magneto into a demon portal but then at the last minute she decides to run into that portal herself and the rest of the new mutants end up going to a different part of the mansion and the last page after you see Magneto once again hovering over the body of Doug Ramsey and crying is the new mutants end up all picking out new uniforms getting ready to go on their separate way without Magneto. That's kind of the ramifications of that. He ends up losing the New Mutants eventually, and then he ends up going back to being a bad guy. So now we go into the X-Factor issues. X-Factor 24, it's an important issue because it's the first appearance of Archangel. I'll get to who Archangel is in a second. The issue begins where the X-Factor guys had been fighting the right and Cameron Hodge. So this is what Cameron Hodge was doing before he went to the island to take care of the New Mutants. Uh, They're transported away by the character Apocalypse. Now, Apocalypse has been the main bad guy with X-Factor since the beginning. They're only 24 issues in, but uh, Apocalypse had his first appearance in issue 6, and he's been their bad guy ever since. He's like this mutant that has this group of horsemen, uh, the four horsemen of the Apocalypse, but he didn't have the character Death. And you see this winged figure that he says is the character Death. Now, we kind of figured out who it was from the shadows and everything. It ends up being Warren Worthington, the angel. He took him from the aircraft before it exploded, and unbeknownst to everybody, he gave him back his wings, gave him this blue skin, metal wings and everything. So the beginning of the fight, it's X-Factor versus the other horsemen, and they do end up knocking a few of the horsemen out, but in the end, they go to Apocalypse's ship because he has this cloaked, big technology-looking ship that's above New York City. Nobody sees it but X-Factor, and he's getting ready to attack New York. So he gets ready to send out his horsemen, and the last horseman, Archangel, Death, towards the end of the book, appears, and now they're reeling from his death a few issues before, so they think he's dead, and all of a sudden, he's right in front of them. So they're freaking out, the character Caliban is with them. Now, Caliban's been some of the other things. Uh, Executioner song, you saw him in. He was a, a bad guy of Apocalypse. Well, this is where he turns on X-Factor. He'd been an ally of X-Factor for the beginning of their book, even before that, an ally of the X-Men. And he saw that Apocalypse can take the weak and make them stronger as he took Angel and transformed him into the Angel of Death. He gave him all these powers. So he kind of betrays X-Factor right at this junction and he ends up surrendering himself to Apocalypse and saying, I can be your new servant. And Apocalypse is going, okay, well, you can be my servant. And he ends up betraying X-Factor, knocks them all unconscious and bows before Apocalypse. And then Apocalypse sends his horsemen with Death Archangel being their leader, out into New York City to just wreak havoc. 
So issue 25 is where we pick up. Caliban is still bowing to Apocalypse, and Apocalypse is watching the destruction from his ship. Now the four horsemen go through, and uh, they've got war, famine, pestilence, death, and they've all, they're all mutants that have these powers. And X-Factor is just watching all of this in horror, and Apocalypse has told them that he's been watching them since the beginning, and this is the culmination of their efforts to try and be uh, these uh, mutant saviors, as you will. And he knows all about Professor Xavier and the School of Mutants, so he knows everything that they're about. So Beast ends up struggling to get free. He ends up crunching a little bit of metal, and he ends up hitting Iceman right in this power belt. Now, a little backstory with Iceman and the power belt. Uh, there's an Asgardian situation where the X-Men and X-Factor go to Asgard to help, and Loki messes with Iceman's powers. So he, like, dialed him up to a 1,000. So he has to wear this inhibitor belt until they can figure out what's going on, or else his powers are just going to go nuts. So Beast ends up flicking this little piece of metal and activating his belt, freeing everybody. So then it's Apocalypse versus X-Factor, basically. So he ends up trying to run away from the fight, and Cyclops blasts him, but ends up blasting the cloaking device, as Apocalypse kind of wanted him to, and this power generator. So Apocalypse's ship decloaks over New York City, just suddenly, and his, his ship is drawing power from the city, so now there's a total darkness. So X-Factor goes to try and help the city while getting rid of the horsemen as it is. So they all split up to go. It's kind of like Scooby in the game. They all split up to try and get the horsemen. And they do. Uh, they attack all the horsemen. Cyclops gets war. Uh, Jean Grey gets pestilence. Beast gets famine. And then they're trying to figure out what to do with death. I mean, it's Warren, their friend, so they, they really want to save him. So they end up going back on the ship. Uh, Beast and Iceman, the first ones to arrive. So they decide to take on Apocalypse himself. Uh, he knocks out Iceman and Beast, who's got some power to him. Uh, he was touched by the character uh, uh, Famine, and he's got some power issues too, where he gets stronger, but he's losing his intelligence. It's kind of like a win-win, it's a win-lose situation for him. So Beast ends up knocking the ship kind of out of alignment, and everybody from above is like, oh my god, there's aliens. And he knocks out their power generator, and the ship starts to fall on New York. So X-Factor goes from having to save the city from the bad guys to we need to save New York City from the ship falling. And they go back to the ship, and they're trying to stabilize it and everything. Jean's trying to use her, her powers and everything, but it doesn't really work. The ship ends up going to the Empire State Building and knocking the top spire over on the Empire State Building and knocks right into it. And uh, Angel, Archangel tries to take out Cyclops and Jean as Jean's holding the antenna part over the city, and she's trying to put it down nicely, which she's not allowed to because Angel is getting ready to attack. Before he can attack, Apocalypse recalls all of his horsemen back to the ship where Iceman and Beast are trying to break, pretty much break it up. And then it's an all-out battle between Angel and the other members of X-Factor. And Iceman gets this brilliant idea. He thinks that Warren can be woken up if something really bad happens. So unbeknownst to Angel, he's got this... He made an ice form of himself, and he's hiding in the background. So Archangel flies towards him and ends up breaking him in half, into, and then a bunch of pieces break apart, and it kind of wakes Archangel up. He's like, I've killed Bobby, my best friend, Wait, what's going on? So he ends up waking up from the trance that Apocalypse has and turns on him and turns on the other horsemen. 
And then it's a horseman versus X-Factor fight. And Apocalypse knows he can't win this because Archangel is pretty strong and he's set in his ways to, to attack Apocalypse. So he eventually takes off and the ship starts falling towards the Statue of Liberty. But it ends up just missing the Statue of Liberty and falling over onto the ground and ends up crushing X-Factor's uh, headquarters. So all these police and camera people end up coming to the ship going, there's aliens, but then X-Factor pops up. Now, X-Factor has been known as the mutant hunters in the book, so the the news is all aware of X-Factor and the mutant hunters and who they are. So then they're like, okay, so you're the cause of all this damage. That's kind of how issue 25 ends. 26 picks up with the police once again talking to everybody, and Archangel uses his wings. He's got these feather darts, and he knocks all the weapons out of all the cops' hand. And then kind of flies away. So X-Factor is like, we need to regroup, figure out what's going on. We need to finish saving the city. So despite being hunted and everything, they end up splitting up. And the rest of the issue, or most of the rest of the issue, is the members of X-Factor going through and saving people. And kind of turning the opinion of the police and all of the rescue personnel. And pretty much all the people as well of uh, the city as they're trying to save them. Now, Beast ends up bringing a few patients to the hospital and ends up finding somebody that ends up eventually being his girlfriend, a, a, a reporter named Trish Tilby. So she ends up doing this like interview with Beast and Iceman telling their event, their side of the story. So she's kind of like helping them in a way. Let me see the, uh, another part of the issue where Cyclops and Jean are bringing some more people to the hospital. And the cops are like, you know what? You guys are okay. We've changed our mind. I mean, you guys have done a whole lot. You're kind of celebrities now. The reporters are, have taken Trish Chilby's story, and they're running with it as if they're like these good guys now. So they end up going back to the, the apocalypse of ship. So they've turned that kind of into their base now. And they're like, okay, so I guess this is our base now. And then they find out that they're going to be in a parade to honor X-Factor for them helping save the city. So the X-Factor gets into new uniforms that were given to them, and they end up being in a parade and thanking everybody. And it's just uh, Cyclops, Gene, Beast, and Iceman as Archangel looks from above, kind of brooding all over everything. Now, that turns the tide of X-Factor because now they don't know what to do with Warren, Archangel, if he's going to be on their team or not. Spoiler alert, he does end up being on the team. So now we go into the Uncanny X-Men issues. A little bit of a backstory here. They're still recovering. They've had uh, quite a rough few months. Uh, they were overseas fighting Juggernaut and some other bad guys. So they're kind of picking up the pieces of what's going on from there. Uh, Colossus is over in England trying to uh, just kind of relax and everything. And he runs into his sister, Ileana where she's telling him that they're on this big mission in the New Mutants. She doesn't have a whole lot of time, uh, but she just wanted to say hi to her brother. And he goes, before you go, can you transport me to the rest of the team? I have a feeling they're going to be needing me soon, which they kind of do. Now, the rest of the team is in Dallas, Texas, near the home of the character Forge. Forge is kind of like their maker, builder, so to speak. Uh, at, at, he does eventually become a member of the X-Men, but at this point, he's like a mutant contractor for the government, and he developed this weapon that for a little bit of time depowered Storm. So she doesn't have her powers for a good while. So they're all going to where Storm was last seen. She went to make Forge give, her, give him her powers back. And the rest of the team is like, you know what, we got to go there to back her up. 
So you got Havoc, Psylocke, uh, Dazzler, Wolverine, Colossus, and Longshot. And as they get ready to enter the building where Forge is, they're immediately attacked. And you don't see who's going, who's attacking them right away. But it ends up being the team Freedom Force. Now, Freedom Force was briefly a refurbished Brotherhood of Evil Mutants team. These evil mutants were captured by the government. It's kind of it kind of mirrors a Suicide Squad for mutants. Mystique is their leader, and you got Blob and some other uh, characters that you've kind of seen throughout the years in the X Men books. Basically, all the mutant bad guys formed a team that was the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, but they turned into this. Freedom Force, where they helped the government capture mutants and make them work for the government, too. So it is kind of like a Marvel mutant version of Suicide Squad. So the X-Men versus the Freedom Force, uh, it's kind of a draw here and there. Uh, Dazzler gets knocked out. Longshot gets knocked out. Uh, Blob is, of course, one of the big bad guys that nobody can really move, obviously, because he's the Blob. <laughs> There's actually a funny little part here where all the rest of the X-Men are incapacitated, and Blob sits on Wolverine, and then all of a sudden, uh, Blob shoots into the air, and Wolverine smiles as his animantium claws are popped out, and he goes, yep, happy landing. And it was perfect timing because Blob is in the air. Now, Blob can't be moved by any conventional means, but if he's in the air, he can be moved. So Colossus appears from his sister's portal right next to the Blob, and he ends up punching the crap out of him into the building where the rest of the X-Men are. So they've actually knocked out most of Freedom Force, and Storm comes and goes, what are you guys doing here? Why are you fighting? Uh, Freedom Force are supposed to be heroes just like us. They're supposed to be here as our friends. Uh, we're supposed to trust Mystique. They're going to help us out. But uh, the rest of the team is just like, are you crazy? I don't think so. Now on the side, Forge is a Native American character, and he's got this bad guy, Native American kind of uh, henchman kind of guy. He's this demon sort of spirit called Maze. Now Maze is like this interdimensional being, and he's going after Naze, I'm sorry, and he goes after, he wants to go after Forge, who he thinks is responsible for putting him there. So at the end of this issue, while the X-Men and Freedom Force are kind of like the stalemate, uh, one of the characters says, stop, something is about to happen. And this giant hole in the night sky opens up, and it's a bright light. And they're like, what's going on here? There's sunlight where there's not. And the, the one character on Freedom Force is named Destiny. She's a precog. She can see into the future. She goes, this is... Uh, this is the end, I fear, of the X-Men and possibly the world. So like, ooh, that's foreboding. What's going on here? Let me pick up in Uncanny 226 where Wolverine's kind of recovering from his injuries. He's got that healing factor, but it does take him a few minutes. So this giant sunspot is in the air. So they're like, what are we doing here? And uh, during the battle of the X-Men and Freedom Force, uh, Forge's building kind of got wrecked. And they're all trying to save each other from falling parts of the building and everything. And Madeline Pryor shows up to try and help them because she was in the area too. And they're like, you're human. You got no powers. What are you doing here? And as that's happening, there's a camera crew from a local station that goes to try and film what's going on. And this camera guy shows up uh, trying to get footage for obviously being, you know, he's a reporter. So he's trying to get all this coverage. So Dazzler wakes up and only sees the bad guys awake and most of the other X-Men knocked out. So she kind of blinds him and everything. 
from what's going on. Now, one of the Freedom Force characters is trying to stop her, but since she's a bad guy for a little bit, she takes Destiny's mask, which is just this faceless mask, and ends up shoving it onto Dazzler and blinding her and making her stop her powers. Although they're kind of at this other stalemate, but then Rogue and some of the other X-Men, they start blasting and fighting each other. And while that's going on, you see Forge at the top of his tower has like this hologram sort of thing going on where he's got like uh, this Native American plane and he and Storm are there. And that Nay's character ends up coming and trying to capture him because he's like, you know what, I'm, you don't need to be happy. I'm going to ruin your day. So while the rest of this is going on, he opens up these little portals and these dinosaurs come out of portals and they're attacking people in Dallas and the X-Men and Freedom Force are trying to save the day, and there's all these Neanderthals coming out because he ends up resurrecting Neanderthals and animating Neanderthals from this nearby museum to go after and attack everybody. So Forge and Storm don't know what's going on at this point. They realize that they need to go find out where their friends are because their friends were supposed to come and help them. And Storm kind of realizes really quick that something really weird is going on, And the character Nays ends up kind of brainwashing Storm and uh, Forge. And he brings them to the bottom floor of where they are. And suddenly they realize that something really bad is happening. I mean, there's darkness all around, but sunlight there. And then all of a sudden, Nays' realm starts popping into Dallas. Like, it's forming around them. And the X-Men and uh, Freedom Force are like, what is definitely going on here? And it ends up being where Naze just wreaks havoc on the X-Men. You know, they're like, well, they're your friends, so I'm going to take them out too. So Forge decides that he's definitely got to help his friends out, Storm's friends and Storm. Storm's technically the leader of the X-Men at this point. Uh, Wolverine's like the co-leader. But Storm feels responsible for the X-Men, so uh, they're going to go try and save the day. And Forge and Storm are like, you know what, we're going to try and save the day too. And they go after Nays from two different uh, angles. And right before that, uh, Forge tries to give Storm back her powers. And he does eventually give her back her powers because it's just in time because Nays, who they start calling the adversary, is waiting for him. He's like, Nays, this is the final battle. We're coming for you. And at the end of the issue, this huge bolt of energy blows up the top of Forge's building. So like, oh, hopefully the X-Men or anybody weren't in there. So when we get to the last issue of this discussion on Kanye X-Men 227, uh, the Freedom Force members are getting treated by ambulance members since they are part of the government. They're, the government's there kind of help them out. And the X-Men have gone into the part of Naze's base that has popped up in the middle of Dallas. And they've got all these dinosaurs and demons and everything. And they're trying to save the day, trying to get to Naze. Uh, but they don't know that Storm and Forge are also there as well. And we see Madeline Pryor run into that because she's trying to help their friends out, help her friends out. And she's like, her inner monologue's going, I was insane for coming along. What am I doing? I'm not, I'm just this normal lady. And she ends up running into that camera crew and trying to help the camera guy pretty much get out of that alive. She ends up running into Forge, who's trying to cast this spell of spirits to get rid of the adversary. Uh, Because it's more of like a spiritual thing at this point. Uh, Forge can summon these spells and everything uh, and try and get Naze back into his demon realm. But it's just a big... This issue is very interesting. It kind of goes all over the map of the X-Men are trying to help. 
uh, four just trying to help on their spiritual journey. And they end up running all into each other, and everybody comes together. And the X-Men are like, Madeline Pryor, what are you doing here? Basically saying, you're human. What did you think you were going to do here? So the X-Men all end up in Naze's citadel, if you will. It's kind of, he's raised it up high. It's in the middle of the air. And the X-Men start attacking him. And they they pretty much all blitz him all at one time. And they're not really having much luck because he's like the spiritual being, magical powers and everything. And he ends up kind of just like blowing them all up, so to speak, but not in the way you think. But it was Forge who opened this spiritual gate and harnesses the spirits of their bodies. And it ends up creating this soul force that will end up giving Forge the power to defeat Naze. So all the X-Men are like, if it saves the world, we'll be in on it. So Forge casts the spell. The X-Men die, so to speak, vanish into this energy. And Forge ends up having the power to destroy Naze and blowing him back into a portal. And he says, the scales are balanced, the ghosts are gone, the spirits of my friends finally free to rest in peace. And he's telling this other character, who's called Nova Roma, that um, she needs to watch over their spirits. But without anybody else knowing, they go into Forge's plaza, and Freedom Force is there, and the... Uh, Freedom Force is going, you you murderer, we weren't here to murder the X-Men, we were here to capture them, save them, or whatever. So unbeknownst to everybody, Nova Roma goes into this part of this citadel where Naze was, and he ends up resurrecting the X-Men, brings their spirits back. And she goes, uh, this uh, was a gate, uh, you guys have returned, the universe needs the you guys. And you literally hold your future in your fate in your hands. You can return to Earth from the moment you left, free to pick up your lives, or you can transport to be any other place in the world. And she's also telling them that they're going to be off the grid. Like, they will not be recognized by any radar, sonar. They won't be shown on TV screens. They'll be kind of, like, invisible. It's kind of like a rebirth for the X-Men. And they're like, well, you know, I think we can do some good. We can make a difference. Where, where do we go? So it's kind of like the end of the issue is the, the X-Men trying to decide where to go. And uh, Nova Roma goes, I salute you, X-Men. You are heroes. All, uh, all a person wished they could be in one life. You have become legends in your own right. And it says the next issue, Down Under. So the issue ends with the X-Men trying to figure out where they're going to go. A little hint. For the next couple of years, the X-Men end up going to this base in Australia and working out of there. And since they're off the grid, they can do whatever they want. So that's how Follow the Mutants ends. There were some good points going on and some bad points going on. I hope you've enjoyed it. It was a little bit of a confusing thing because things didn't gel together with every title. So not all of these storylines are going to, but I promise you most of them are. So why don't you join me next time? I'm going to be doing a Batman one next time. It's going to be a two-parter. That's a huge storyline in the lives of Batman and his allies called Hush. It's going to be a two-parter. No spoiler there. I'm just going to tell you it's going to be two parts. Uh, so uh, follow me on Instagram at Bry the Comic Book Guy. If you have any questions about anything that we've talked about today or just want to brush up and know a little bit more about what we talked about today, Bry the Comic Book Guy at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.